Welcome back to 7 Seconds or More. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had an episode, roughly three plus weeks. It's been a real busy time in the NBA and a busy time for all of us uh, on the show. I had my own spring break last week. I believe Dan did as well. Um, and, you know, if I'm the producer and editor of the show, it is hard to, you know, uh, have episodes happen then. Um, anyways, uh, I'm your host, as always, Peter Howarth, joined by no one today. Uh, I wanted to get an episode out real quick because it seems like, provided everything goes right, next week will be our episode number 40, but it'll also be the one-year anniversary of the show. Yeah, March 31st of 2022 was our first episode, Garrett and I, at the uh, Yukon uh, uh, radio station, uh, WHUS. There, I couldn't think of it for, there for a sec. And so we're going to try to have everyone who has uh, been a guest in the last year on the show. Uh, not that many guests, but, uh, you know, we are adding hosts left and right. We started with two hosts, we got up to three, and now we are at four hosts. Anyways, so look out for that next week. Hope to drop it next Friday on the one-year anniversary. But for now, yeah, it is a solo act for me today, and I'm not going to spend an hour or anything close to that because I... Don't really think I uh, want to do that. I want to focus just on the MVP race today. It is something that if you've been following really any sort of NBA or media outlet lately, that is the hot take and and really the driving force of conversation at the moment. Uh, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated posted an article just the other day saying how toxic this NBA MVP race has been. JJ Redick recently talked how crazy it was that people are asking about who the MVP is a week into the season. And I do think that's pretty crazy because anyone can get hot for a stretch of time. Um, it just so happens that if they get hard hot at the start of the season, then people think it may translate to an MVP award. Um, so that's really tough. I, I don't think that is the way we should be discussing things. We are around 10 or so games left in the year, so this is definitely a great place to see where we're at on the MVP race. And in case you haven't been following, this was Nikola Jokic's award to lose for most of the season. When the season started, Jason Tatum got out to a hot lead along with the Celtics, and since he has trailed off and since the Celtics have kind of returned to the pack uh, not only in the Eastern Conference, but also the NBA as a whole, his candidacy has sort of fallen uh, thereafter. Uh, he has the fourth highest odds of any MVP, but is still at plus 12,000. And so it became Jokic's award to lose because the Nuggets were having pretty much their best season since Jokic became a full-time starter. And his uh, statistics really didn't drop off and I think people were genuinely into, gen, genuinely, boy, genuinely interested in the prospects of a three-time MVP, uh, a three-peat at the MVP position. Um, I really didn't see a lot of voter fatigue, and I didn't think that was a concept that was discussed when we were talking about Jokic. It was how impressive he has been to overcome some of that fatigue, if that is something that would end up uh, being brought up. But where we are at right now, Joel Embiid is the current betting favorite. He is at minus 150 
Uh, this is a FanDuel, uh, not sponsored, but if you'd like to sponsor us, FanDuel, please do. We are all over 21 on the show. Embiid, minus 150, followed by Jokic at plus 260, and Giannis at plus 350. Uh, looks like Jokic's odds have increased a little bit, but he is still trailing Embiid by, uh, that. that's a somewhat healthy margin there. And it's been really tough for me to gather my thoughts on this because I am pretty pro-Jokic in the sense that um, I think he gets a bad rap sometimes for being um, not a highlight-driven player, uh, although he is still a player that, that drives winning. And oftentimes when we think of MVPs or we think of who's the best player in the league, we think of the guy who scores the most points or he has the the biggest plays. And just the way that the Nuggets and Jokic has been, that's really not how he impacts the game. He still has highlights and he has very fantastic moments for Denver, but that's not what makes him necessarily a great player. It is his unreal passing ability, probably the best passing big man ever. Uh, he can stroke it from deep. This season he is shooting uh, 40% from three. He is also a prolific rebounder of Giannis Embiid and Jokic. He is tied for the lead in rebounding at 11.9 a game. Um, and he can score the ball. I know his stats are a little low uh, comparatively, considering Embiid is leading the league in scoring at 33.2 points per game. And Giannis is just a couple behind at 31.2. Uh, Jokic, though, putting up 24.8 points per game. Uh, and again, talking about that passing, Jokic at 9.9 assists per game. So basically averaging a triple-double, which when Russell Westbrook did it, it was the driving force to him winning that MVP over James Harden. But I, I think to a degree we have taken Nikola Jokic for granted in the sense that he's averaging a triple-double and it is somewhat ho-hum. But where I'm at on it, like I said, I was Nikola Jokic. I was in favor of him uh, once once the Tatum narrative uh, sort of faded away. Of course, I'd love for Jason Tatum to win it, but he's just not in, in serious consideration. Uh, he'll get a place on the ballot for sure, but he will not be in the top three, nor should he be. Around All-Star break, I was listening to uh, the Ringer NBA show featuring... Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. And Kevin was making a compelling argument for Giannis to be the league's MVP, that he is probably the most important player for the Bucks defense, maybe over Brooke Lopez, and that he really should be in this conversation for a defensive player of the year. In addition, he is averaging 31.2 points per game. And at that point, the Bucks sort of improbably passed the Celtics in the standings in the Eastern Conference. They also, at the moment still, have the number one record in the league at 52-20. and 20. They are two up in the win column over the Celtics, three up over the Sixers and the Nuggets. So while it's not the runaway number one team in the league, still it is the best team in the league. And so that was a, a sort of notion I subscribed to for a little bit, but now we get to everything Embiid has done in the month of March. 
On March 8th, Embiid had a plus 550 odds, so not great. It would be lower than Embiid, Jokic, or Giannis are at this very moment. But in the first week of March, I believe he averaged 36.9 points per game, blistering. And he, I believe he just won his second straight Eastern Conference Player of the Week award. Not that that those awards really mean much, but it shows you how great he has been. And the Sixers, to their credit, they are 9-1 and one over their last 10. And they are just on a uh, collision course with the Celtics, actually, in the standings. People asked me, <clears throat> excuse me, if I was threatened by the Sixers at all this season recently. And I said no, because the Celtics sort of own Philadelphia. And they, and they have for some time, and they've been able to handle Joel quite well. I am still not necessarily scared of them, but if you're looking at the standings, the Celtics have one game up in the win column on the Sixers. They're only there's a half game of difference. So there is a, a world where Philadelphia surpasses Boston in the standings. And again, the Sixers are only three games back of Milwaukee for the Eastern Conference. So there's a path where they could be the number one seed in the East. That sets them up favorably for some of these early rounds, and they could have home court for the whole Eastern Conference uh, through their trips to uh, through that side of the bracket. But this is a regular season award. So what has Joel done that separates him and makes his performance this year stand out comparative to some of his more recent campaigns? Joel has always been in the discussion really for the last three or four years when Giannis has won it twice in a row and Jokic has won it twice twice in a row. But what has he changed this year? Well, I think he's really done an incredible job to dispel any notions that has prevented him from winning the award in the past. First, I'm going to continue with talking about the Sixers. He, It's well known that the Sixers, with Joel Embiid, have not advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. They infamously lost to the Atlanta Hawks in 20, uh, tw 2021. Yes, and that's when the Hawks played the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, and then the Bucks later won the Finals over the Phoenix Suns. That would have been a great position to see Philadelphia in. Now, granted, Ben Simmons was on that team. This was a different sort of structured and philosophically different Philadelphia team, but Embiid has not been able to carry them. To their credit this year, again, only three out of the lead in the Eastern Conference, and I would say the race for best team in the league right now, it's a four-horse four race between the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, and Nuggets. And with them being tightly in that discussion, I don't think the narrative of the Sixers aren't winning, or to that degree, the Nuggets as well. That's not an argument. In addition, Embiid, he is putting up just the volume that is making him hard to ignore. Of the three players, he's averaging the most points per game. He's playing the most minutes. So I know there's a lot of questions about durability with Joel. And going further on durability... He's played 59 games this year. He's played uh, 59 of the Sixers. Uh, 
like I, he's missed like 13 games, which is not crazy for uh, compared to the three of them. Jokic has played six more games than Joel. Giannis has played two less. Uh, Embiid is also arguably the, if not the best defensive player here, it would be the second. Giannis is obviously prolific. His defensive counting stats are higher, averaging more steals per game and more blocks per game, uh, over double the amount of blocks per game as Giannis. Giannis at 0.8, Embiid 1.7. Again, like I said, his efficiencies are great, shooting 54.7% from the field. That's the same as Giannis. It's less than Jokic. He is the second best three-point percentage. He is less than Jokic and more than Giannis. And then the free throw percentage is the best, uh, 85.6%, more than the both of them. And that's on less attempts than Giannis. So honestly, this seems like a a two-man race, and, and it depends on how you view this award philosophically. If you want the two-way dominant big volume big man, I think you're looking at Giannis or Embiid. And if you view the game maybe through a different lens and and how impactful one player can be on winning with arguably the worst surrounding cast, I would say Denver has, then I think Jokic uh, goes up a notch. And I don't think there's a wrong pick between the three of them. Uh, I just don't really see a scenario where someone, uh, I don't know where it's going that, but essentially I see either you like Giannis or Joel or you like Jokic. That's just kind of what makes sense uh, comparatively. And uh, honestly, it's so hard to say where this can go. I mean, we talk about it. So as we've gotten this far, I mean, the way Joel was able to rocket up the standings uh, and among the odds in this race, he could just as easily fall out or have all these things change. Injuries are a big part of that. Team success is a big part of that. But as we go down the stretch here over these next 10 to 12 games, it's going to be, I think, again, as much as this is considered one of the best MVP races maybe in a long time because you have three legitimate candidates who all have a large stake in the game, two players at the top of their game in Giannis and Jokic who are trying to make their third MVP award of their career, which not many have done. And then you have Embiid who, first of all, was not even an all-star starter this year. That's how loaded the conference is and really the star level talent in this league is. He is trying to get his first MVP award. So that in itself is pretty crazy, not to mention uh, everything we have in terms of these standings. These are, you know, I would say three of the best four teams in the league. And the fourth is the Celtics who have the guy with the fourth, fourth highest MVP odds. And Tatum, this is sort of how it's supposed to go. Uh, traditionally, the best player on the best team has won the MVP, and there's been a lot of coinciding with the stats of that player being the best player in the league. We saw Jokic sort of drift away from that last year. Uh, his Nuggets were the sixth seed, just avoiding the play-in. And with 48 wins, it was tied for the least amount of wins by an MVP winner ever. And with the Nuggets, again, with the Nuggets improving, Jokic had a great uh, claim to stake for winning his third straight MVP award. 
And if someone says Jokic is their MVP, great. I think that's a great take to make, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong because there's an argument to be made. And the same goes for Giannis. I, and I love Giannis. <laughs> and that is coming from a perspective of a Celtics fan who it's torture to play that man. And I, I have flashbacks sometimes of that Eastern Conference semifinal series last year. And Joel, I mean, I'd be great for him. I mean, you can see how much he really wants it as he's turned up here in March. I think he's uh, viewed the award as attainable and he and he's viewed this Eastern Conference as attainable. And that's what you want out of a star player. I know people have talked about rumblings on if James Harden ends up leaving to Houston, if that's even a real scenario. What's the future for Joel? Does he want to stay in Philadelphia? Is there that connection with the Knicks and Leon Rose and, and CA or CCA? CAA? Uh, anyways, the, his former agent, essentially former agency, uh, head of his former agency, or head of his current agency? Former head of his current agency running the Knicks. Oh, a lot of words. Sorry for that. Anyways, uh, essentially there could be rumblings where if the Sixers have a disappointing offseason or a disappointing postseason, how is the uh, future of this team going to be affected by that and Joel Embiid uh, therein? But uh, we have a long ways to go until then. Um, but in the meantime, this is a historic MVP race. I hope everyone is really enjoying it and taking it in. Uh, it's been tough for me not being able to uh, basically watch the NBA for these past two weeks and, and not be fully in the loop on everything. It's the first I felt this way in a while where I feel like I either have catching up to do or I don't feel necessarily... Uh, uh, in tune, or I don't feel as if I'm an expert on on uh, the league, which is, a, a again, a rare, strange feeling for me. But in the meantime, those are my thoughts on the MVP race. If any of you have similar thoughts or different thoughts, feel free to uh, DM us at 7 Seconds or More on Instagram. The link is in the description of this and every episode. Again, like I said in the beginning of the show, we're going to try to have our one-year anniversary episode for next Friday, March 31st, exactly on the one year. We're going to try to have everyone who's been on an episode uh, thus far on. So that means Garrett, Duncan, Dan, Ryan, and Sean. Try to get everyone on, see where we're at, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But I'm thinking I might have a segment with Garrett where we might just run back what we talked about uh, on our first episode last year. So we talked about the Celtics. Uh, we talked about all NBA teams. I believe we talked about John Moran and we talked about Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Uh, I will listen back and double check, but it's been a great year as I'll probably say uh, next episode. Again, thank you all for listening to this episode. Hopefully it'll be more than just me again next week. But until then, I will see you all next time.